Welcome back to episode 46, Sports Talk for Fans by Fans. Brian here. I got Alex, and this time we got Paul with us. Welcome back, Paul. Uh, we'll get your we'll get your thoughts here in a second. But this week, what we're going to cover is the usual breakdown of the games, the fantasy games, uh, and you know information with that. But the other thing is, this is kind of like the crazy time of the year, guys. You know, the playoff picture is starting to kind of come full circle. Um, Alex, what do you think about the whole final, you know, six, seven games of the year really being a lot of divisional matchups? You know, it's kind of that's a good thing for the NFL, right? Well, when they came up with the idea a couple of years ago, that was kind of the thought. They wanted to be <clears throat> the divisionals, kind of make the division race make more sense, especially when you have some of these games are so close with each other, especially this year. I mean, it's like you see every other week one of the bigger teams falling. So, Division race is going to be very, very important later on this year. Yeah, and there's really only like on the AFC side, there's like 12 to 13 teams that are in the playoff picture still. Um, and then on the NFC side, there's essentially 15 of 16 teams are in the playoff picture. Uh, the Lions are probably the only team you can say is eliminated, but um, kind of crazy. So let's get into the episode. You know, the drill, Alex, episode 46. What is your obscure person? What What is your best person? What, what did you find for who wore jersey number 46? The most obscure, I'm going to go with Liddell Betts, running back for my uh, counterpart, Washington football team, or Redskins Gee. at the time. Wait, what about Alfred Morris? They had the same number. Yep. Basically the same back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the same. Washington. Jordan, Jordan, you got anyone that wore 46 you can think of? I do. Um, back in the Super Tech mobile games, uh, when it came to the Super oh Nintendo, the <laughs> running back Vince Workman out of Ohio State. Oh my God, Jesus! <laughs> Workman, yes. There you go. <laughs> you win that one. Uh, hockey, David Krejci. Uh, I, I would make you guys pronounce it based on spelling, but I don't want to punish you guys. Uh, Andy Pettit, the cheater. Um, the chin, the cheater, Andy Pettit, and then uh, your boy Herm Edwards, Ward number forty-six. So, um, all right. So we're gonna do some week eleven recap, getting into week twelve this week, guys. We got some Thanksgiving games, including your two teams playing. So the first game, Chicago at Detroit. Second game is the Raiders at the Cowboys, and third game is Buffalo at the Saints. Alex. Cowboys take care of business in that game. You think it's an easy win or what? Oh, hell no. We don't even know who's starting for the Cowboys right now. <laughs> oh, my True. goodness. Yeah. And then my 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 thoughts of the last time we played the Raiders at home for Thanksgiving was about six to eight years ago, and they just absolutely ran the ball right down our throats, and we barely won. So I, I, I got scared that game, so I'm scared this week. Paul, th this is pretty much your – this is a start of your playoffs, right? Like this is a must win for the Raiders, right? Yeah, definitely. The the way we've been playing, uh, we had we were in the driver's seat. Um, we've let teams run the ball down our throats, and we haven't been able to stop anything. Um, that's what scares me about this game. You take away all due to injuries or whatever, and now you rely on the run game. And they have two uh, very good running backs that could definitely take care of that stance. So, for me, but 
Yeah, it's a toss-up for me. All right, and the two bye weeks, two uh, teams on bye weeks this week is Kansas City and the Cardinals. Potentially, probably could be Super Bowl contenders right there. Um, but get it, before we get into the quick recap of Week Eleven, just I want to ask you guys really quickly since we have a lot of uh, film on all these teams and we kind of see where everyone's settling. But if you had to give an early season MVP out right now, Alex, who would you say is the MVP? Good gracious. That, that's a real tough one. I feel everyone's got a little dirt on them. That's the problem about it. I don't think it's very clear cut. I mean, if you're doing prison by a moment, you almost you kind of want to think someone like, you know, Jonathan Taylor or something like that, just because you kind of prisoner moment. I, I can't really put, you know, you think quarterback all the time. And I think every one of the quarterbacks have had a really bad last couple of weeks. So I can't really put my hand on a quarterback. So um, they're kind of up in the air for me, but the cleanest right now, I'd say it's probably Jonathan Taylor. All right, so I, I have the correct answer, but I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Paul see if he can if he can catch the right answer. Is is Alex right or wrong on Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, um, I agree. I think uh, Jonathan Taylor is a very very good choice. Um, I don't think he's a prisoner of the moment. Um, I think that he's he's um, they just used a three headed monster for a while or two headed. Uh, they started to add a. Uh, Marlon Mack in there to try to boost his uh, stock a little bit. But once the he's been downhill, but I think the only other person I would give that MVP conversation to would be uh, Lamar Jackson. I feel like that team, the second he walked away and then boom, he's just uh, like, you know, he's a lightning rod for them. So I think that, I think that he's the front, he would be the front runner if it wasn't Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, so I, I, Lamar, you know, that's a great pick because the team is built to suit him exactly, which is why even the backup Huntley is a clone-ish type of Lamar, a very, you know, diet knockoff version of him, um, dollar store version. But if you're going, if you want to go clean, clean Alex, I'll give you the, I'll give you a clean person, the person that never gets dirty, and that's Justin Tucker. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think the Ravens have like an insane amount of, Games decided by less than three points. Um, and they have four wins by less than three points. And he makes every clutch kick. So I want to just go outside the box there. Like if you had to give someone like a clutch MVP, like it, it would almost be, I would, I would almost throw Tucker in with Lamar Jackson as a, a dual combo. But of course that won't ever happen. People stupid. Um, well, you know what? It's not unprecedented. We've had a kicker win, the, um, win MVP before for the Redskins. So, it's not impressive that a kicker win the MVP, so. Gosh, he's just been so clutch. All right, let's get into the weekly breakdowns. First game, New England at Atlanta, the Thursday night game. Once again, we are let down by almost every Thursday night game, except for, I think, one this year. Uh, the Cardinals-Packers one, maybe. But um, New England, 25, Atlanta, zero. New England has now won five straight games. They haven't lost a road game. And during this five-game winning streak, they've outscored their opponents by 125 points. Their upcoming schedule, Tennessee at Buffalo, at Indy, Buffalo. I want to say those are four intimidating games. But now, Tennessee and Buffalo have confused the hell out of us. So maybe it's not difficult games coming up for New England, maybe. Um, Jordan, is Mac Jones the clear-cut front-runner offensive rookie of the year? He, he is the fifth-greatest fifth best graded quarterback of all quarterbacks on PFF. Um, is this just Mac Jones's award to lose? I think so. Um, I think the only other person I would uh, throw in there would be uh, uh, Jamar Chase. Um, I've been 
uh, from his LSU days. But uh, what Matt Jones has done is not surprising to anybody who really saw a quarterback that could fall into that system. All the tools, he had everything. They just the only thing that he that separated him from those other quarterbacks was the run, uh, the way they use their feet, uh, being mobile. So of those things he just didn't match up on those levels with them so he fell into the perfect system the perfect coach um josh mcdaniel just uses him at he's the front runner and it's his to lose alex is he right or wrong he's gonna be right um it's sad because most people particular voters <laughs> can't see a really good offense line so whether it's cree humphrey or Rashawn slater who those guys have been absolutely outstanding this year. Creed Humphrey yep. might be the best center in the game being a rookie, yep. but no one's going to vote for a center for, for rookie of the year. It's just not happening. I mean, Mac Jones is going to win it just because part of those uh, things are done by AP people and they, they don't watch football like most people um, watch, you know, the film or nothing like that. And most fans don't. So they're always going to go by hype. So Mac Jones, if he somehow, some way leads them to the playoffs, He's got a shot of getting the number one seed, especially if that, like Dak with his rookie year, they're going to make him the rookie of the year. Yeah, I do want to say, you know, what you always say about Creed Humphreys, he he is so good. He's one of the few offensive linemen graded above a 90 on PFF. Um, and to kind of put that in perspective, it's, it, it rivals people like Trent Williams. Um, there's no other centers that are kind of really close to him. Corey Lindsley's the third best center on the Chargers. He's third best, and he's nine points behind um, you know, behind Creed Humphreys on on the Chiefs. So, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, he should definitely be considered. But will it happen? Of course not. You know, that's just what they won't do. But, you know, hopefully that man gets paid eventually for what he's doing. Um, let's move on next to San Fran at Jacksonville. This game was pretty much 30-3. to They got a garbage time touchdown at the end. San Francisco takes their business, winning two games in a row, putting them in the playoff picture right back into it. Ayuk's fully incorporated back in that offense. If you have Ayuk or you you weren't sure about him, um, Shanahan is definitely throwing him the ball. Debo's used as running back this game. Um, Shanahan was going to Ayuk and Kittle more so as the passing threats. The Niners ran the ball 42 times for 171 yards, even without Elijah Mitchell. Debo pretty much led the running backs with eight carries for 79 and a touchdown. So next, Indy at Buffalo. Uh, I'm sure most of you guys are tracking Indy. Taylor went off. He had the fifth most ever fantasy points in a game since 2010. Alex, Paul, can you guys tell me who were the four people that had more fantasy points in a game than Jonathan Taylor did this last week? Can you guys name any of them? Um, I go Kamara last year. Kamara. He has to be yep, up in he, here. He was number three. Jordan? Um, so McCaffrey. Ten. McCaffrey. Actually, not on this list, but it is two other running backs and a wide receiver. If you want to take another crack, Alex, two running backs and one wide receiver. You went wide receiver. Oh my goodness! Now I'm really thinking. <laughs> um, man. Um, now I'm thinking wide receiver. I can't think of any wide receiver. Don't be cheating, Paul. I'm not. Yeah, you're next. I mean, maybe uh, I'll throw out Moss. I don't know. Is there a certain time period nope. are we talking about? Since 2010. So, Paul, what was your what's your guess? Whew. Okay, so my two guys that I will go with was Aaron Jones. He had four touchdowns. Football, so I will go Aaron right. Jones and 
I'm thinking. Let me think of a receiver. Crap. It's 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 the boy you want most. It's Tyree Kill was number two as the wide receiver. Yes, I think it was. I think it was last year when he went off. Yeah, against um, the Bucks. Yeah, uh, and then number one, Jamal Charles. He had the fifty-nine point oh, five. So that, that's that maybe. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's the obvious one. Um, you know, there's no Charles Johnson, but there's Jamal Charles up there. Uh, Doug Martin is the obscure one. Yes, he had a couple, you know, good years, but fifty-five point two. Doug Martin was number four, and Johnson Taylor number five uh, all time. So that, you know, that's how impressive that list is. John Taylor did that. He essentially won people game single-handedly. Um, but yeah, so that, you know, that, that performance puts Colts at six and five. They're two games back to the Titans now who have losses at the Jets and the Texans. We'll talk about the Bills have only won two of their last five. Paul, what are your thoughts on this game and what do you make of these two teams going different directions? Um I think uh, the coach just found their stride. Um, they had a good defense uh, coming in from last year. Um, they started to rely on their superstar. They started giving and letting Wentz just use, use his weapons out there. And, um, you know, they got, a, they got a solid offensive line. We, we've talked about it for uh, all season that they probably had the best setup for offense. Um, they just were underperforming early. Um, so – Let's flip it over to the Bills. Number one defense didn't show up. And I think a lot of it has to do with the opposite of what um, the Colts do, did was the Bills can't get a running game established. So when you don't, you're three and out, you're putting your team on a on an island. And I think that's what essentially did it for them was they just can't control and and they're not out and they're not outscoring their guys. So it's just, it's hurting their defense and it's killing their offense. So I, I got my obscure question for you off of what you just said. Cause the, the Colts, you know, they do have a good defense. They're putting that together. Um, Darius Leonard has the second most forced fumbles with four. Do you guys know who has the most forced fumbles in the NFL this year? It is very obscure. He used to be elite, not so elite anymore. Hmm. Played on the, came up with the Panthers. Had a messy divorce with them. Oh man. Um, went to the, went to the WFTs after that. Oh, you're not talking about Norman. I'm talking about Norman, the dude that oh, can't tackle yeah. and just punches at the punches at everyone. That's all he does. He's got six. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's some obscure information right there. Um, getting burned left and right. He's the 96th out of 118 quarters graded on PFF, but the dude's just punching the ball in every tackle and just making things happen. So that's how he's making up for it. Um, all right, moving on to Baltimore, Chicago. This is a battle of the backups. This is a just not a fun game to watch. You know, there's so much potential to watch this game, having a healthy fields, having a, you know, a healthy Lamar Jackson, having all the weapons, no Allen Robinson, uh, no Marquise Brown. Uh, fields got hurt, left the game. We'll talk about that later. Ravens, you know, the Chicago came, uh, came back to go up late in the game. Then Baltimore won the game at the end with Devonte Freeman rushing touchdown with, you know, Huntley makes some good passes. Um, but, you know, it's just uh, 
Baltimore grinding out the game and Chicago just kind of unfortunately falls to the pattern of what Chicago does, which, um, you know, losing fields and starting Andy Dahl next week, I believe, in which Alex talked about here in a second. So let's go from that to the next game, Detroit at Cleveland. Cleveland barely beats Detroit team who didn't have Jared Goff. Um, the Browns with their win, I think they're six and five. Now they're the 11th seed in the AFC. Alex, we keep asking you over and over again about the Browns. I'm going to ask you again. Just strictly off of this underwhelming performance and how we, you know, we're trying to just say we've been we've been saying this all year, but do you think Cleveland is essentially not going to be a playoff team now based on this performance? Wow, um, they got the they got chances to get to the playoffs, but it's like almost like every other week, one uh, unit shows up, the other doesn't. It's like this week. They actually had somewhat of somewhat of the defense, but when they click, they actually do offensively get together. It's almost like it's the flip flip side of it. Um, I think Baker Mayfield, man, um, we're we're getting down to nut correction time for him, man. It, it is he is he is he's having some some problems, and I know he's supposed to be hurt, and people are blaming on his injury. But a couple of weeks ago, we played great. No one said anything about his injury, but. We might get to a point this year where we might say they might be limited by Baker. I mean, we already knew they were going to go as far as Baker took them, but man, I mean that that was a game. That was a game like uh, yesterday that he should have blew them out. They should have just ran up and down the field, especially when they ran the football. I just he's the question mark I got. Are we going to get good ba- Baker Mayfield? We're going to get bad Baker Mayfield. That's what, what we got. We got to understand. I, I just want to point out. I know. I think you said it to me, Alex. But you know the Baker Mayfield cycle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you know, we're, play like shit, criticized by media, then underdog mentality, then beat inferior opponent. So we just beat the inferior opponent. So this is where he called. Then the next step is he should be calling out doubters, and then he should play like shit again. So, mm-hmm. and I think that got the Ravens coming up soon. So we'll see where the cycle takes us. But uh, I don't know. We're still in. The, he's playing like crap mode. <laughs> <laughs> but he also beat an inferior opponent, so yeah. he's like in between the two or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, he uh, just re- he right. just released a uh, a statement about uh, the fans booing him. So I think we're right back into the next stage. So okay. yeah. oh my god, we just we hit all five stages <laughs> all within like a one one week span. <laughs> so terrible. terrible, and since stupid to think that he has so many commercials too. Like he's, he's essentially <laughs> the league of he's essentially the face of the league. Um. Uh. All right. Next, we got Houston at Tennessee. Uh. Paul Tannehill should never start a game at quarterback without Derrick Henry at running back. True or false? Ah, oh, man, false. But I say I say <laughs> that only because like Henry was like the absolute biggest portion of this of this uh offense, and you know you don't have all your weapons. You should have him, but obviously uh, Julio Jones and his injury-prone self has been um, absent all season. Um, uh, A.J. Brown took a shot uh, early. He came back and then got hurt again and uh, was out for the game. Um, so, you know, they, it's just – you just don't know with this team. Um, they, 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 I think that not being able to control the run clock, just like with the Bills earlier, not being able to control the clock, um, you're putting the weight on Tannehill and that defense is not as good as people thought they were and they're proving it. So they're getting exposed and that's just it. Exposed. Yeah, Alex, 
the, the Titans, the Titans, they're the bad guy in every Scooby-Doo commercial or Scooby-Doo show, right? Like the dude where they take the mask off and like, Oh, it was you all along. Like <laughs> they just lost to the Texans and the jets. Can you make sense of this team? But what, it, what is going to happen to him the rest of this year? I'll say this since they lost Henry, they haven't really been playing great offensively, but defensively and special teams where they've been very opportunistic. And when you kind of look at the Rams game, in the game, the other game, you can't look at them. The stats are like, wow, they didn't really do great offensively. But, hey, they made turnovers, time and turnovers. They made the plays where they're supposed to. This game was the absolute flip. Tannehill threw four really bad interceptions in this game. When you look at the other side, like their defense played well enough for them to win. But when you, you have somebody who turns the ball over like that and puts a bad offense on a good field, you're you're gonna you're gonna have a tough time. I mean, I'm looking at the stats with the Texans, and it's like the Texans barely ran for like two yards a carry. I mean, David Johnson was 13 carries for eight, 18 yards. That baffles me. You had Lindsey was negative yards rushing. It was just like, okay, where's the Texans' offense coming from? And Tyrod Taylor didn't throw for a lot, but somehow, some way, somehow, some way, they beat the number one seed. Um, I think right now, if you're Tennessee, um, you're going to have to try to figure out some way to kind of limit Tannehill from having to throw a lot. I mean, he threw over 50 times yesterday. I mean, Tannehill can't do that much. He's not that good to throw 50-plus times. If you're going to have that, you're going to have him throw four picks. Can we just talk about the running game like you just talked about? Rex Burkhead ran the ball 18 times for 40 yards. Uh, David Johnson ran the ball 13 times for 18 yards. Philip Lindsay, who she probably the person running the ball, ran the ball one time for minus three yards. Then they completed 14 passes for 107 yards. I don't like, I don't know what the hell is going on. That's the most confusing thing I've ever seen. And then they won and dominated the best team record wise in football. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I can't make sense of this. I don't. Anyways, I just want to move on. Uh, let's move on to something better to talk about. Green Bay at Minnesota. Green Bay 31, Minnesota 34. A, a, you know, probably the best game that we had. Some controversial endings there with the allegedly dropped interception that could have potentially, um, you know, gave Green Bay the ball back to drive with about two minutes left. Uh, Kirk Cousins right now, though, I know we kind of go back and forth trashing still, Alex, but Kirk Cousins is in the conversation for setting the record for the best ever touchdown to interception ratio. He's currently 25 and two. And I think the best ever is Brady at 28 and two. Um, so it's kind of, kind of crazy. Uh, so Kirk Cousins out duel out duels Rogers. They squeak out a win. Uh, they're in the picture for the NFC playoff picture still cousins. Rogers combined for 726 yards, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. The Vikings, will be going down if the Vikings make the playoffs. So to me, they're the most scary team. They're most battle tested team going to the playoffs. Nine of their 10 win or games are decided by one score or less. Um, Jordan, can you break this game down? High power offenses, uh, superstar showing up. Um, basically if in this game, these guys are supposed to put up their numbers. Yeah. Is supposed to run for 100 yards. Rodgers is supposed to throw for 300 yards. Uh, Jefferson is supposed to be out there getting your 100 uh, 100 yard receiving. With all these weapons on the field, 
that you bet on and you're just like, this is going to be the game that goes straight through the roof. Most points scored in this, this week. This is the week that you expected. All the stars on the field, defenses are stars that you were expecting dynamite. And that's exactly what they gave you. Um, I feel like uh, that, that interception um, at the end, uh, you know, it just was what it was. I think you give Aaron Rodgers another chance out there and this game's the other way. Um, but I didn't think the defenses could hold each other if they were playing. Uh, he's been solid. He hasn't been great every game, but he's been solid to really good in every game this year. So that gives those guys an opportunity. Cook, Justin Jefferson performance, Thielen going out there. I think that that team could show up week in and week out, even if even though their defense isn't that great, their offense should every single game. And Cousins right now, great as the second best quarterback in football. So, uh, you know, people keep doubting him. And I think it's just they default to doubt him when they really should be doubting him this year. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting next week. San Francisco and Minnesota, they're both five and five fighting for a playoff spot. So, that, you know, that's one of those games to kind of see where those two teams are going. All right, next we've got Miami at New, uh, New York Jets, Miami 24 at New York Jets 17. Miami grinds out a win over Joe Flacco in a game of – lowly teams. Uh, but the weird part is now Miami now has a three game winning streak. They have four wins in a weird way. They're kind of back in the playoff picture. Cause knowing the AFC wants to win the division. So they're just keep knocking each other off. Um, I guess we'll see if Miami can get hot. It's kind of a weird thing to say, but they're playing great defense right now and doing enough on offense. Next, we got the saints at the Eagles saints, 29 Eagles, 40. Uh, if people don't remember, this is last year. This is kind of Jalen Hurts' breakout game against the saints in new Orleans when they beat the saints. Then also, um, the Eagles put away the saints early on. The saints came back to put up 22 points to kind of make it look, look like a close score, but four Eagle running backs combined for 50 carries, 242 yards and three touchdowns. The Eagles have won three of four and put themselves back in the playoff picture with their, I think their fifth win. Um, Alex, as a Cowboys fan, how concerned are you that Nick Sirianni is learning how to do this thing called coaching and he's learning how to do this thing where using your players to run the ball and play defense? Are you getting concerned that the Eagles are somehow putting together a competitive team? Because it looked like it was very not competitive at the start of the year. I'm more concerned about the Jalen Hurts thing. <clears throat> Teams can have really good years here and there. They can, you know, sunshine's on the dog's butt every once in a while. Um, but let's be honest, you're going to win and lose games based off your quarterback. And to me, it looks like the Eagles have kind of found out what to do with the Jalen Hurts situation, how to manage them. Earlier this year, they were just throwing so much on them. They weren't running the ball. They weren't trying to protect them. They were trying to make Jalen Hurts do everything in the offense. And right now, he's not there right now. They've kind of learned how to manage him to kind of let him make plays kind of naturally instead of forcing him to. So, I'm more worried about that than I'm worried about them kind of going on a win streak right now because if Jalen Hurts kind of turns out to be that guy, holy crap, you're going to deal with this for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, Sanders had 16 carries, 94. Jalen Hurts, 18 for 69 with three rushing touchdowns. Jordan Howard still had 10 carries. Boston Scott had six carries. You know, 50 total carries. Uh, They only threw the ball 147 times. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams kind of try to deal with this going forward. Uh, if they try to load the box or what do they do? But, you know, th- this could be a dangerous team going forward. Next, we got the uh, WFTs, 27 at Carolina 21. Alex, I think this is, what, two weeks in a row now that we've seen the former coach beat his former quarterback, right? Because last week it was uh, the Falcons and, and Dan Quinn beating the Falcons. So maybe it's something to look forward to, that coaches kind of have about the upper hand on their former quarterbacks. 
Uh, Cam Newton's first game back in Carolina as a starter. Ron Rivera wins that game. The thing I do want to point out, though, is, uh, you know, we kind of have a better game from Heineke. Maybe he just didn't give the game away as well. Uh, McLaurin had five catches for 103 yards and a touchdown to seven targets, including some very difficult catches. So I just want to ask both of you, is there a more talented wide receiver in the NFL than McLaurin who does not have a good to great quarterback? Like I, I kind of think of Al Robinson back in the days of Blake Quarles, but is there currently a, court, a wide receiver better than McLaurin, Alex, that has a worse quarterback? Wide receiver that has a worse quarterback. Hmm. That means we got to throw some people. That is a top talent, though, what I'm talking about. Is there a more talented wide receiver? Uh, we got to throw some people on the bus. I can't think of any right now. I think I believe most of the, the – unless we're talking about very young wide receivers, he's probably maybe the wide receivers kind of in his semi-prime right now that doesn't have like a, a, a quarterback or whatever. So, yeah, I, I give it to, to Scary Terry right now. Jordan, you got one? I think I have, I have one I can maybe maybe rival, but – do you have one? I got a, I got a few. Um, I think San Francisco doesn't have a quarterback. I'm not really a Jimmy uh, Garoppolo. Uh, definitely, definitely. You're, you're right. That, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely somebody that we should really be. Uh, that I would say is a is a is a ceiling for him. Is where I think uh, McLaurin goes. I don't take anything away from him. I think that he has all the talent. I think he could be one of the best receivers in there. But I think. Career is going to be primed to look like Allen Robinson if he keeps on having these quarterbacks that are talented with a, with something, but not much more. Uh, some other guys I was thinking. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And uh, and Deontay Johnson. Now, Big Ben is a, is an elite, but he's not elite anymore, and he's still performing. The problem with Deontay Johnson is a lot of drops, but I think that he has the potential to make that Antonio Brown jump uh from year to year, uh, gets a quarterback there next year and uh, continues to improve. I do want to say with Deontay Johnson, though, like that drops was a big issue with him this year. He only has one drop on, on the year, and he had some he had some great catches uh, even last night against the Chargers in that crazy game. So, you know, he, he's definitely I agree with you, Big Ben. You know, he can only he can only noodle arm so far, and then usually noodle arms it out to Claypool and. So Deontay Johnson gets all the short stuff. So we don't know what his whole route tree looks like yet. So, um, all right, let's move on to, uh, sorry, sorry, Paul in advance, but we're going to talk Cincinnati at Las Vegas where we had at one point had a close game. What happened this game? What went wrong for the Raiders and what went right for the Bengals? Um, As as we had talked about in the uh, opening segment, um, Vegas uh, just let the running back go. That running game established, uh, then you got to focus on it. It opens up the passing. Um, but you got to fault Derek Carr, man. I mean, cut your hair. Get, get it done. <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I just – I don't know where to go with this because there's just so many mistakes in games that we should – that's just when we're moving into the red zone and just give me interceptions, fumbles, every week, week after week after week. And – yeah, we could blame it on all the football. You're grown, man. You get paid millions of dollars to overcome this stuff. Uh, fix right the ship and uh, do what you got to do. But Cincinnati's a solid team. That's a game that you just gave away. Um, if you buckle down, you win. You win that game. But you know, I think I think you're going to hear a lot of talk here in the future, though. Mariota 
getting some opportunities because I feel like the the offense needs some kind of design, needs something new, some fresh, something fresh. And I think you're going to start hearing a lot more Mariota if you have another Derek Carr game here at Thanksgiving. I promise you that you're still, you're going to hear a lot more, or you might even see him. I feel like if we're talking about talented players not being used as well as they should be, I feel like Josh Jacobs could be, in my opinion, the most talented running back that doesn't get used enough. Kind of almost like I, I think he's better than Miles Sanders because I think Miles Sanders at the start of the year was not getting used at all. We've already talked about that, but yeah, it's been to me kind of confusing with Josh Jacobs. I mean, do you agree with that, or, or is this a Josh Jacobs issue? Oh, definitely. I think that uh, there's a few things that go with that, though. Uh, last year, they ran him into the ground. He had a, he was having a great season, and, it, and he just he just couldn't keep it going. Took some uh, big shots. He's a very physical runner, uh, but you know they brought in Drake this year to kind of help uh, take the load off of him. I think it's a mistake. I think you gotta you gotta let this guy go. Um, you gotta utilize him in the past. He has really good hands. Uh, really good swift movement, and he he could he could he can open up this offense a lot more. Um, but once again, this is just the the way that the offense goes, and the direction of the old style, which is Gruden, we haven't really uh, went away from that. All right, let's move on next to Arizona twenty three at Seattle thirteen. I don't know what the hell's going on. Russell Wilson came back from injury too early. Um, injury is clearly still affecting him, but. I think this says a lot more about the Cardinals team. They haven't had Murray Hopkins for the past three games, and they've won two, you know, conference game or two divisional games, going two one in that stretch. Um, and you, if if you just look up, you know, Russell Wilson cooking right now on anywhere, you'll see a lot of hilarious things because it's not good what he's cooking. Um, ba- based on this though, I just want to ask you guys, who do you think, Paul? If you want to tell me first, who do you think currently is the best team in the NFC? Because right now. I feel like it's Arizona because they made such a good, they're such a good balanced team that even losing JJ Watt, even losing Hopkins, even losing Edmonds, even losing Murray, they're still good against at least, you know, they've beat at least average teams. They're not, you know, great teams, but they've performed well without their top players. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards the Cardinals, but Paul, who do you think is the best team in the NFC? Uh, even though they're on a two game losing streak, uh, I think that it's uh, the Rams. Um, I think that they just have it. They have all they have the superstar talent to be able to write this ship. Um, I just think that they they got they got caught up in the hype. Uh, these new signees, these big names are coming into town. That's where all the focus is. The hype is around them. Uh, but I take nothing away from Arizona because Arizona, like you said, has um, had these injuries and has wiped out any doubt that when those guys are healthy, that they're, they're a problem. So definitely them. I do want to say, if you want to talk about, uh, talk about the Rams, one great thing to watch is, did you, did you see George Kittle pancake Von Miller? I did not. Yeah. <laughs> you got, go look it up. <laughs> go look it up for me right quick. I, I, before I ask Alex, uh, the other thing to remember the Packers, you know, doing really good. They, yes, they just lost, but uh, they technically get the best left tackle potentially back in football. Back to comes back soon. Jair Alexander is going to be coming back soon. And, uh, I, I, you know, one of their linebackers, uh, someone of the Smiths, uh, Zaire, I think he comes back sometime soon too. So um, just as a reminder for the Packers, you know, they don't, they don't even have all their best players right now. Um, and Aaron Jones is here for a couple more weeks. Alex, who do you think on the NFC side? Green Bay. I think Green Bay. I kind of was a little hesitant on Green Bay um, because I know a lot of people weren't talking about it. 
Green Bay wasn't putting up Green Bay scoring numbers. Um, they were kind of nearing around the middle of a pack in some of the major categories, but their defense was playing almost elite uh, until this uh, Minnesota game. And it's a divisional game, so I kind of really throw those things out because you kind of know, you know, your division opponent on the road. I can't throw that out. But Green Bay's defense in the last couple of weeks, especially with Aaron Rodgers being out, they've really shown me that they could be – um, they could be a handful, um, especially them having to play uh, the top tier offenses in the NFL are going to be on the NFC side, the Cowboys, the Bucks, Arizona Rams. Um, if Green Bay gets that number one seed, it's going to be hard for people to win games in Lambeau Field this year, especially with that defense. Um, I know right now they're injured right now. Uh, the wide receiver core is getting healthy. Aaron Jones, we already talked about that. Um, they got defensive players out. Jairi Alexander is out. Um, Smith is out. They got defensive help coming back later on this year. Um, so I think right now I would probably say Green Bay is the best. Uh, they, and they beat Arizona. So that's one of the other things I kind of say. I can't really put Arizona right now because I don't know where Arizona is, uh, especially until they get their, their quarterback back, you know. But right now I say it's Green Bay. To piggyback off of All that, right. actually. I would like to say that it's astonishing that you didn't say the Cowboys, and I'm actually proud of you that you did not say the Cowboys. And it says a lot about the Cowboys after they go seven and four on Thanksgiving. But we're gonna go ahead and uh, just end it on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be fair. If you ask any other Cowboys fan, they they will weed them boys up with all these and they will they, they will stop. I do want to say that we didn't even point out the Bucks, but we'll so we'll see if the Bucks can uh, kind of write the ship here, which you know. You know why the real reason I didn't say Dallas, to tell you the truth? Because for some reason, Aaron Rodgers owns Dallas. So if I look at them both as the two top teams, Aaron Rodgers pushes Green Bay over to me. So that's why. You can't get hurt by saying that. All right, let's move next to the uh, to your Cowboys. Nine at the Chiefs, 19. There's two ways to look at this game. Uh, on the optimistic side, Dallas, two of their three losses are against the two teams that played in the Super Bowl last year. And those were combined. Those two combined losses were by 12 points. Um, Alex, Chris Jones went off on you guys. Uh, you guys can stop him, which is kind of, you know, not normal to see, I guess, maybe. But, you know, Chris Jones had three point three and a half sacks. Was this game about the Kansas City defense showing up or was this a result of the injuries piling for Dallas? This is the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. Um, unless it's your quarterback, there's really no excuse. This was about the Kansas City Chiefs making it known that they're ready to go on a Super Bowl run. Um, when they came out, first of all, seeing kind of, you know, they were bumping run coverage against their wide receivers all day. They were up in wide receivers' faces. They were sending blitzes. They were sending different coverages at, at Dallas, and they absolutely could not pick it up. Wide receivers were not getting off of uh, separation. Um, when Amari Cooper went out um, Friday with the COVID situation, all they had to really do was just double C.D. Lamb and I have to worry about anyone else in the passing game. And they absolutely took it to Dallas. Um, I give Spagnuolo, you know, credit. He he he's had a history of playing great against Dallas. I mean, even when he was back with the Giants, um, but he he crafted a masterful game work um, that that work. It's a little bit uh, what the Broncos did to us a couple of weeks ago, but I think Kansas City kind of did it. And then you know we always talk about how you win games. It's big people. Um, Kansas City absolutely manhandled that Dallas offensive line. And Dallas's offensive line has been really good the entire year. 
Uh, I think PFF had them as a top one, top two offense line majority of this year. And Kansas City is one of the bottom ranked teams as far as uh, pressure and sacks. They only had 14 sacks on the year. They had five by themselves in this just one game. So they had 30, over 33% more sacks in one game than they had in the entire year. Um, but it was absolutely a – they manhandled us um, everywhere from from the um, Terrence Steele not um, knowing that the ball was snapped and letting Dak absolutely get murdered by Frank Clark. Um, we had uh, our best offense line, Zach Martin. He couldn't deal with Chris Jones. He was just – he was just everywhere. It just wasn't him. It was Frank Clark. It was Reed. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was everything. And uh, they absolutely had a great game plan. My head goes off to them. Um, but the good part of me being a Dallas Cowboy fan, obviously we got people out. They've not had the starting roster offensive line together play one game this year. And hopefully that's going to happen later on this year. And the fact is, uh, we talk about rookie of the year, office rookie of the year. I think Michael Parsons is running away with the defense player of the year. Um, I, th- I think, it, you know, there's other guys who definitely could put their hats in it. But when you got a guy who's going to be a stand-up linebacker and, like, sometimes decides to rush pass, rush the quarterback and be, you know, elite at it just sometimes, I mean, that's just, that's just crazy to me, so. And I think I saw he's got eight sacks. Uh, he's in the top 20. He's got more sacks than Aaron Donald. Uh, he's definitely having a phenomenal year as a rookie. Uh, and like you said, it's going to make him a crazy hybrid, crazy, scary threat going forward. And the Cowboys drafted so well with linebackers, man. Like, it, you know, it, they don't really need to move them if they, unless they really want to. Like, that's the scary part right now. So, um, all right, let's get into the last one before we get into some fantasy talk. So last one is probably besides the Green Bay-Minnesota game. This game was insane. Pittsburgh 37, Chargers 41. Um, you know, if you needed some fantasy performances, this was a, this was a game where you had a lot of some, some players show up. The Chargers were up 27-10 going to the fourth, and somehow the Steelers took the lead with 324 left in the game. They went 37-34, and then Herbert hit Mike Williams for a 53-yard touchdown to put the Chargers ahead for good. It's actually Herbert's fifth game-winning drive this season. Um, I know people kind of like to badmouth certain teams. Like people like badmouth Kirk Cousins. People like to badmouth the Chargers and how they can't close out games. Justin Herbert's for real. It's his fifth game-winning drive this year. Um, you know, both teams and games are still in the playoff picture. This puts the Chargers in the sixth seed currently and Pittsburgh in the eighth seed. And there's now 12 teams fighting for seven spots. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, and Eckler, by the way, um, you know, had he had like a 40 something point game on fantasy, so good, no one's gonna talk about because of how great Jonathan Taylor was. So, um, you know, the, the best part about Eckler is he interacts with his fans on fantasy. I mean, is there any other guys, is there any other player that actually interacts and is positive about fantasy than Austin Eckler? Because you know, he actually talks to the people about putting him when to start him and he'll, you know, and backing it up. Is there anyone else out there that does that, Paul? Um, uh, I know uh, Steve Steve Smith was uh, asking about uh, DJ Moore a few years back on the sideline. He was like, "Is he good? Should I start him? Should I draft him?" Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't think there's anybody who uh, who's as dedicated. Like he told people, "Draft me first. Like you know, I'm that I'm that guy." It's like, dude, focus on your season. Stop worried about this. But <laughs> the direction he really wanted people to draft him first, no, and he wanted to perform to that standard. So that, that said a lot about him. Yeah, it's great. Um, all right, let's move in some fantasy talk now. Actually, wait, wait, wait. Before uh, we go so, to that, before yeah. we go to that, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
I just want to point out a story real quick. Um, with the DraftKings this week, and um, I was in um, I was in probably a hundred hundredth place, right, with the lineup that I had, and then Porum kind of seven point nine points. That instantly jumped me and twenty six other people up to first place. I was in first place, and it, and the cash prize was out. This play, oh my God. this play, so you split that between 26 people, it's 11,000. Trust me, I did the math. So <laughs> it's 11,000. 11, oh, this is great. All they got to do is run out the clock. And, and at that exact moment, you turn around and you see that pass to Mike Williams. He knocked me from first way down to 735th place. I ended up winning 50 <laughs> freaking dollars. It, I don't understand this. I don't understand fantasy football playing anymore but it's addicting i got a game going on tonight i want to tell you like uh yeah th this this exact situation last year when the saints played the the eagles i had i think i pay, i paired sanders and jalen hurts together and they got me seventh place i won like a thousand dollars like it, it's crazy how like how these things happen um but yeah man yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Next time, next time, do better and win, please. I appreciate yeah. that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll come to the yeah. chat. I'll come my fantasy football information next time. That that would have helped me out. Yeah. yeah Clay no, clearly, over, that's the uh, Claypool over Williams. Yeah. Don't do that again. Yeah. 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 Don't. Rookie move. Um, all right, so <laughs> fancy quarterbacks. Uh, the top five this last week: Herbert was the one, Rogers is two, Hertz was three, Cam Newton got back in there four. Kirk Cousins number five. Um, some information quickly: Trevor Simeon has now had back-to-back -back top six finishes. I think he was second last week, and now he was sixth this week. Uh, Big Ben <laughs> used to be relevant in fantasy talk. He made his first appearance in the top ten. Russell Wilson, he's two games back from injury. He has combined for 14 points in the two games. And to put that into perspective, if you combine both those games and you rate him against all the quarterbacks this week, he would have been the 16th best quarterback combining his two games together. So that's kind of a, a little worrisome for Russell Wilson. Um, so in talking about quarterback injuries, Jordan, are there any other quarterback injuries we should be tracking uh, or quarterbacks coming back from injury? So back, we got uh, Kyle Murray's this week. Uh, that uh, him sitting out this week factored into uh, was factored in because they had a buy the extra week of him resting. Um, you got uh, Lamar Jackson's coming back with an illness. Uh, he should be back next week. It was a non-COVID related, so uh, he should be fine and back. Uh, Jared Goff, he's practicing again this week. Um, he practiced today. He should be back uh, as the starting guy. And uh, here's a guy that should be uh, talked about actually major. Aaron Rodgers um, actually has an injury. So you, it's actually he said it was very painful. So it's actually something to uh, to really pay attention and watch this week if you have uh, Aaron Rodgers. And lastly, Zach Wilson. Back this week, it is expected to start. Um, he's back in practice and he should be starting this week. All right. So Alex, with some of these uh, injuries coming and going and these quarterbacks, do we have any uh, low-owned quarterbacks on the waiver wire that we could uh, look into getting? Well, we've been sounding like a broken record with some of these guys, but a lot of the team people aren't really listening. Um, one of them is Kirk Cousins. He's on the 63% at least. What does that mean? He's probably better than if you're losing your league right now and quarterback's struggling. Kirk Cousins is probably better than the starting quarterback you got right now. Just throwing that out there. Can I, 
Can I say something really quick about that too? Not Go only is he only he's only owned in sixty three percent of leagues, but last week he was only started by twenty six percent of people. So there's a good amount of people that have him that don't even start him, which. He, you know, he's consistently being in the top five. He's such a high-rated PFF quarterback. It doesn't make any sense. What the hell are you guys think about out there? All right. Sorry, Alex. Yep. And actually, to go back on that, um, between last week, me telling people to pick him up, it actually went down 3.2%. So he's yeah. only in less leagues Disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid. Also talked about that. Uh, we talked about injured quarterbacks. Um, one of the quarterbacks we talked about was Fields. He's dealing with a bruise, uh, ribs. Uh, Dalton is still available. He's on in less than 1% of leagues right now. Um, if you got fields and you need somebody to fill in, especially on a short week, remember this is a short week. Three games are going to be Thursday. If you need a quarterback, you want to look at Andy Dalton. And then also you talk about Simeon. He's only owning 6% of most leagues still. He's been top five, top six in the last two weeks. That kind of becomes a trend. So if you need a quarterback, he plays Thursday, you might want to look at that. Yeah, with Andy Dalton, I just want to remind everyone really quickly, uh, he made the wide receivers look really good in, in Chicago this week, which no one has done all year, essentially. Not really a shot at Justin Fields, but Andy Dalton is more of a veteran presence, and they play the Lions this week. So you know that, that's definitely worth something to look at. All right, moving on to running backs. The top five this week, obviously, Taylor, number one. Obviously, Eckler, number two. But, Alex, we finally, I think of this whole show, we, we kind of keep talking certain position groups up. We finally had a normal running back top five. Taylor, one. Eckler, two. CMC, three. Mixon, four. And Swift, five. We actually had five big-name people being the top five, which I think is the first time all year that's happened. Now, moving on. H.A. Dillon. Filling in for Aaron Jones, supposed to do big things, kind of a letdown. Yes, 15.7 points is pretty good, um, but he only had 53 yards rushing, six catches, 44 yards, no touchdowns. So we'll see what he does again coming up. Um, but guys, the Titans running back situation has gotten more confusing. Uh, we've went on from having the top three, which we've talked about the last two weeks, and now we add in Dontrell Hillard, who had, I think, 10 targets or 10 catches, something ridiculous for the Titans, um, and got him a top 10 finish. Alex, should we look at hit picking him up at all? Oh, uh, yeah. I would definitely look at that for the simple fact you have inconsistency at their backfield right now. And right now he's owning less than 1% of leagues, so he's definitely someone you want to pick up, especially in deeper leagues. All right. Um, I think Devontae Freeman is slowly kind of taking the lead job in Baltimore, and I know Scott kind of talked about uh, you know him. Uh, he got 20 fantasy points, including that last game-winning touchdown for the Ravens. But here's the big one. Brita the Cheetah has now played in 18 snaps this last game, which is the second most by Buffalo running back. Guys, do we consider picking up uh, picking him up in the league now if you have more bench spots just to see what happens? Because he's getting goal line carries, which is kind of weird for a person like him. It's almost like they're using him in stretch plays. But, uh, I don't, Jordan, I don't know if you want to answer that one. Um, I definitely think uh, it goes back to what I Buffalo and establishing a running presence um, isn't uh, isn't performing the way that you would want him to. Uh, De- uh, Devin has shown sparks, but hasn't really been boom. Uh, insert Matt Breida and uh, in these very limited uses, he's performed. 
they they're probably going to be looking at giving him more more opportunities out there. So he's definitely worth a look. And this last week, Brita did outsnap Zach Moss, who's been getting some some fantasy hype earlier in the season. So it looks like maybe they're trying to figure out you know what to do there. Um, Ch came back from injury, twelve carries, two catches, and a touchdown. Looks like he's going to jump back into that running back two conversation. And then Alex. Running back injuries, what are the injuries that are out there? And then I guess the big one of all of them, Zeke. So can you kind of break down the injuries for those running backs? Yeah, Michael Carter, a rookie running back for Jets, He's uh, has a sprain. He's going to be out for the next couple of weeks. So Ty Johnson is probably somebody you want to definitely pick up. If you were in the deeper leagues and you had him as your uh, Carter's your starter, you probably cuff your running backs. So you should already have Ty Johnson. If you're not in the bigger leagues and so you know he's going to be out there free agency, you have free, uh, wire on there, go ahead and try to pick him up. Zeke, um, Zeke has been dealing with a knee really the entire year. He aggravated it Sunday. Um, talked to Mike McCarthy this uh, a couple of hours ago on the press conference. Sounds like he's going to be good to go this Thursday. Um, also, Jordan Howard got himself hurt. Um, he had to leave the game. Um, Serial came out tonight, said it's probably going to be a week for him. There's a stretch he might play. Um, he's kind of been in this big thing with Philadelphia running backs where everybody's getting 10 plus carries. So, uh, if you don't have Howard, uh, if you suffer through the Miles Sanders situation, you should already have Miles Sanders. Um, but I think Mark Scott would definitely be a definite pickup that you want to look at. And then also, we haven't heard much about Kamar yet. The Saints are playing on a short week right now. Um, so if you got Mark Ingram, there's a good chance you can still keep playing him right now. All right. Um, do we have any concerns for the Jets running backs like Ty Johnson when Zach Wilson, because Zach Wilson is supposed to be starting. Are you concerned with Zach Wilson because he's more of a big play? I don't know if he's going to check down. Maybe he learned something during his time being injured by watching the other quarterbacks. But, Paul, are are you worried for the Jets running backs with Zach Wilson coming back? Uh, definitely. Um, like you said, he's more of a stretch the field, um, take shots, take uh, chances. Um uh, the other quarterbacks were checked down heavy. Um, they went to the running backs first and then expanded it off and opened up downfield. I think that if you're really going to be looking into you, you're probably going to go back to avoiding the, the running back situation unless it's necessary and go back to looking at their, uh, their big to try to shoot for them because I just think that he's going to take shots. He's not going to use the system as it's been working. He's going to He's just going to try to stretch it out give them the big play opportunity that he was giving them early in the season. All right, let's move on to wide receivers. Our top five wide receivers, Jefferson one, Adams two, Elijah Moore three, Deontay Johnson four, and then Darnell Mooney five. Alex, I think you had Jefferson as your dark horse at the start of the year for potentially being the top wide receiver, and he's had two top five finishes, and I think now he's fifth in receiving yards. He is a good mountain behind Cooper Cup, but he could easily jump to number two by – next week so uh you know that, that's something to kind of look at jefferson's kind of turning up elijah moore he uh is turning into the top target machine for the jets he's got 11 targets this week and five straight weeks of six or more targets uh Ayuk, i'm not gonna i'm just gonna keep saying it buy him now do whatever you can to get him he's now fully involved in niners offense i think he's still available in a good amount of leagues alex which Dallas wide receiver is worth the attention this coming up Thursday game besides Gallup? If because I'm assuming Cooper and Lamb were both out, so Gallup is the obvious choice, and you know Schultz is obviously going to get targets too. What other wide receiver do you think would step up if you're looking for like a stack lineup or something like that? 
Well, obviously Gallup is going to be the number one you want to look at this week. There is an outside chance about Lamb, but you know he's in a concussion protocol, so it kind of is what it is. I don't think it was for a play on short wing. So Gallup's probably going to be your number one. Uh, Section Wilson is probably going to be the next man up. Just the thing about it is Wilson had a pretty bad game. He dropped a lot of balls on Sunday, uh, so he's been hearing a lot of chatter here in the Dallas area. So it's going to be one of those things of, hey, he's kind of not a really good player, so you could definitely uh, bank on the fact that they're going to try to get Cedric Wilson um, involved very early in the ball game. All right, uh, Bears wide receivers. Dalton came in. Uh, Mooney and Marquise Goodwin came in, coming out of nowhere. Has kind of been bouncing around teams. Both had over twenty fantasy points. Um, and at the expense of Allen Robinson being injured. So we're talking about wide receiver injuries, Paul. What what are you tracking for the wide receiver injuries and or who may be coming back soon? We got uh, obviously as we see, Liam, he, uh, he's on a concussion protocol. Will be uh, questionable for the Thursday uh, Thursday game. Brown got knocked out. You need to uh, keep the monitor. Uh, Hopkins, this week he's on bye, but he should be ready to come back in when he comes out. Cooper, Amari Cooper, he's uh, he's out this week, COVID. Uh, so he will be out. For, trying to figure out what's going to happen with Antonio Brown, where he's healed. He still has a, a now what's possibly a legal situation with the, uh, with the COVID card and stuff like that. They plan it down like it's nothing, but something to monitor. Uh, Calvin Ridley is available. They have no updates on him, so don't expect him back anytime soon. And uh, Allen Robinson still has not returned to practice, so he's definitely another player that could be out. All right, moving on, tight ends. So tight ends kind of go back to normal this week. We have a, a vintage performance from Ertz, 28.8. Uh, Kelsey, second, 18.8. Waller, third, 18.6. And uh, getting to some of the other tight end news, I mean, and also Kittle was kind of back to normal. He got a touchdown. Uh, Andrew's number five this week. So now to divorce myself from this, I'm going to talk about Dan Arnold. I've been talking about for just about every week of the season. So Dan Arnold got the big donut from the Niners, uh, which it is what it is. So it's time to move on from him. Uh, some people to look out for. Uh, Trotman, the tight end for the Saints, was someone worth, worth looking at as he's getting more targets, but he just got ruled out for the next four to six weeks. So who's the next person to look at? Maybe uh, a deep kind of look. Anthony Ferkser, the tight end, who was originally number one for the Titans, um, then kind of went off and lost the job to Gregory Swaim for some reason. Uh, he had seven targets last week, over 10 fantasy points, and with the Titans being more pass-happy, not having a lot of threats, maybe take him and kind of as a dark horse just to kind of see where that goes. Um, also tight end news, Knox led the Bills and targets at 10. He had six for 80, so kind of weird, but, uh, you know, he, he's usually a three-catch, one-touchdown kind of guy. So a little more involvement from Nas and Knox. We'll see kind of how that goes uh, going forward. So that's pretty much everything we have uh, on the fantasy side. Um, so just hopefully you guys have a, a great Thanksgiving. Hopefully, uh, you know, we got some good games on that. And uh, please listen, share, subscribe, leave a review, have other people listen. We appreciate all the support that you guys provide us. Um, We'll be back next week with another episode, and uh, we'll catch you with a recap of this coming up week. So have a good one. Happy Thanksgiving.